There's a right and a wrong here. Okay, so Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now, faith is the assurance. Would you say assurance? Faith is the assurance that what we hope for will come about and the certainty that what we cannot see exists. So hope is where faith begins. Um, John has been using this this, uh, phrase for us. Hope for the future brings power in the present. And you can turn that around. If there is no faith in the present, there's no hope in the future. And so what we want to do is we want to, we want to recognize recognition brings revelation. We want to recognize God at work in our life. Recognize we see, we have so many amazing scriptural, um, examples of how God works. So we recognize it brings revelation. What, what's the revelation? God loves me. Wait a minute. If you've been sitting in church many, many years, that's going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. God loves you. God loves me. What does that mean? When we get a revelation of God's love, hope springs. Why? Because a God that loves us will act. He's our provider. He, the Hebrew language says Jehovah Jireh, my provider. What do you need? You need healing? He's your provider. What do you need? You need some cash? He's your provider. You know, maybe you're sitting there today, you're thinking, is she saying that God will give you money? Yes. Yes, God will meet your need. He is your provider. So hope comes. And the fact that God loves me, he will take care of the things I need in my life as I trust him. He loves me that much. God loves me. Hope comes. Faith in is born in that hope. Hope for what? Hope for the provision, hope for the healing, hope for whatever the specific is, hope that things will change in my, my, my mental well-being, hope that things will change where I'm emotionally healed and whole. And when that hope comes, then faith, when we, when we attach God's word to it and we find what he says about it, then the faith force is in intact then and amazing things can happen. So I'm excited about hearing the story of Gideon today. Honey, bring it. <laughs> well, yeah. we, we've been talking about this whole series of recognition brings revelation. And, and if you haven't uh, caught this, remember this, that until you recognize something, you don't have the revelation of the item or the person. If you see somebody walking in the middle of the night by your car and you're out into the darkness and you, you don't recognize me, you know what? Probably you'll lock the doors. But if you recognize me as your friend and you say, that's Pastor John, you'll probably roll down, the, hopefully you'll roll down the window and say, hey, how's it going? There's something about a recognition of something that brings revelation. We've talked about it for several weeks, but let me bring it back to your mind. That, that when you recognize the love of God, and again, you, you can milk that down and try to act like it's no big deal and it's the Valentine kind of love. No, we're talking about the agape love, the, the love so much that he came to die for us. That, that's pretty deep. Everybody with me on that? I, I know that you, you just extend that a little bit more than what you're thinking now. The love of God. Sometimes we have to get to the point where it's so bad and then God comes through and we go, okay, now he loves us. But if we can get there before that, it, it, it brings revelation in our life of the provision, as she just said, the provision that God has for us in the future. 
Um, what I found out is the, the longer that I live, listen to this, it is easier to learn something new than it is to unlearn something that's just wrong. Can I get anybody with some gray hair in here to say amen to that? Amen. I mean, there, there's a time in my life where I stood on... Oh, later, I was kind of, oops. Out of, listen, out of our experiences, if we're not careful, we build a belief system. And out of that belief system, we will make choices. And out of those choices, the way that it goes will be our experiences. And, and we allow the Word of God to get further and further away from really our belief system. Well, I know that's in the Word of God, but my traditional experiences are this. And so in the middle of the storm, we're running, ah, we've talked about this. And, and a lot of times, that goes with our identity of who God says that we are, but we, we don't necessarily come in agreement with what He says we are and who we are, and that He loves us, we get in agreement with the enemy. You know, one time, I was on a vacation, and like some of you, and have you ever walked down like, I forget what it was, but we were somewhere, and we were outside, and we were walking, and a guy had an easel set up with, you know, the, the characters, <laughs> and everybody in my family picked me. They're willing to pay for me to do a character. They always exaggerate the part of your body that, you know, is out there. Come on now. Everybody's like, no, I never, never did one of those. And the guy begins to draw, and you don't see him drawing, you know? <laughs> and you're going, oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm depending on this guy and how he sees me. And he turns it around, and I'm just going to be here. Just, I'm your buddy right here. He turns it around, and... <laughs> I, my friend says, John, I, I don't think you have a forehead. I think you have a five head. <laughs> I mean, he's got my hair from my eyes, you know, exaggerate. Now listen, if we're not careful, we allow other people to begin building who we are. And because of the circumstance, we talked about that it's not, it's not a circumstantial problem that we face. It's a perceptual problem in, in the way that we see things. Uh, when we talk about, you know, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says love, hope, and faith. But the greatest is, of these is love or our love. It, it's because once we experience the love of God, then we realize that he can provide for us. This is something that we have to learn on our own firsthand revelation. Mommy can... It, build into you an influence that's building your, hopefully, your belief system. But until you actually create a belief system that says, God, you love me. Circumstances might not at the present look like it. I mean, I don't like wearing a mask. What is up with this COVID stuff? I don't know if you're here, God. All those things that are going to go through your mind, you've got to say, God, I know you love me. You will provide for me in the future. And when I get that, when that comes into recognition, there's a revelation that hits us that says, God, I'm so thankful. Someone doesn't have to talk you into praising God because that revelation will pop in your mind, the light bulb goes on, and you go, God, I'm so thankful. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Isn't that good? Yeah. 
The enemy's going, you know, flexing his muscles. And you're over there going, I'm praising, I'm praising my God. Hallelujah. Yeah. A little bit on tune. But anyway, (laughs) you're, you're raising a hallelujah right in the middle of the storm. How can you sleep in the middle of the storm? Because I know my God has provided for me in the future. Therefore, if I have hope in the future, I have power in the present. That's what I'm talking about through this whole series is when somebody sees you walking around as a believer, there should be a difference from somebody that is not a believer. Can I get an amen from that? If there is no difference, then people go, why do I need to be a believer or a follower of Christ? This morning... We're going to get into a story, but real quick, I want to remind you that that in the middle of this series, Recognition Brings Revelation, this part of the sermon series is called U-Turn. And it's where people in the Bible is, is a parallel to you and I and is an example to you and I that when they go through life and there's a, all kinds of level of depression, and you've been there before where it feels like you're carrying a backpack of rocks, all these things are happening or just the question of what if? You never know. Woo, what if? And you go, I don't know. I don't know. What if? What if I fill that test? What if my girlfriend breaks up with me? What if I lose my job? All the what ifs in life start weighing you down. And when you get the revelation, you know what? It's okay. God will provide for me. All of a sudden, there's a revelation and a U-turn. That here's, here's the signification or the indicator. The U-turn is taking place. Listen, when it gets us up and gets us going on the purpose that God has created us for. You, you'll see that through the series. You, you remember Ruth and Naomi? Remember Naomi saying, don't even call me pleasant anymore. I'm Mara. I'm bitter. I'm bitterness. And the day that she has the U-turn happen in her life is the day that Ruth comes home and she goes, where have you been working, Ruth? And Ruth goes, I've been working in this guy that's really been nice to me and showing me favor. His name is Boaz. And, and Naomi goes, who did you say? Boaz. And then her her arms, as I said, become helium. Hallelujah! In the presence of... She, see, she has lost everything that she has and thinks God's abandoned her and will not provide for her. And at that moment, she realized, she says to Ruth, Boaz is our kinsman redeemer. He is a very wealthy man. He has... Praise God, because he can and is taking care of his children, she says. A U-turn happens, and then, as women do with matchmaking, they go into that strategic, you know. She went to it. Like a dog on a bone, man. Boaz is ours, baby. If you remember the story last week, Esther. She's like, I don't know, I'm just this little girl and I'm an orphan and I don't know if I can do it. And do you remember the story? Do do you remember where the U-turn happens when Mordecai sends a letter that goes, Hi! And sometimes we need a letter. We need somebody to go in our life and grab our ears and go, Hi! God has created you for such a time as this. And she went, If she would have had a tail, it would have been like a bird dog. She would have pointed right at it. I've got it. 
She got a hold of it. She said, you know what? You guys go pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go in. And if the king doesn't accept me, so be it. Let me die. I'm going to die. I'm going to do this thing. And, and see, her perception is, I don't know. We know that she goes in and the king goes, come here, honey. Half of the kingdom. Anything you want up to half of the kingdom. What do you want? She got the revelation that God has already provided. It was her in believing the goodness of God working in her life. Come on, man. Some of you need to shake it out. I am. The, the, the Bible says that once she gets that, everything else is a U-turn. She takes it in. You, today, I want, to, I want you to see another example because this is, Gwen and I have been just, I mean, like, go, go. I mean, we've been having this back and forth and all the goodness in the story, which it doesn't seem like in the subject or the story of Gideon. Gideon. If you have your Bibles, turn quickly to Judges chapter 6. Remember, the book of Judges ends, ends. This way, there was no king, so everybody did as they saw fit in their own eye. So if you're going through depression, and there's no vision, there's no leader, there's no king, people perish. And, and this is a situation in the, the Bible, in the part of this history of the Bible, the people of God, where there's people that are just beaten down, busted, disgusted. And the situation is bad. I'm telling you, can you say bad? Bad. Bad than anything that we've ever gone through in our life. Bad. I ask you on Facebook, if you kind of are, are not a, a member of our group, please just, just trust us. We will accept you. Just come on Facebook, and it's a picture of us out. In the, it was one of the Easter's. We're out in front of the church. If you get to that one, join that group because we we post, you know, what what we're going to do on Sundays and stuff. Harvey said, "Can you give me a little heads up on what we're going to do?" And I'll read it, and hopefully you're doing that. So, so here here we are in the book of Gideon, and I've asked you, and, and if you saw that post, to write down. Five things that usually or you have typically come against your life, your family, your marriage, your finances, and I called them locusts. Anybody know what a locust is? Something that just eats everything in its path? This is where we start. It says, the powerful hand of Midian... Prevailed against Israel because of Midian, the sons of Israel, made for themselves the dens, which is hideouts, which were in the mountains and the caves and the mountain strongholds. Does anybody ever in the middle of bad times try to kind of hide out? Kind of get in there, hide out and say, you know, I just want to get away from everybody. Anybody? This is what's happening. They, they are saying, you know what? I don't want to see anybody. I just want to get by myself in this little stronghold where I can see who's coming and, and make sure that everything's okay in my world. Th these people were bad. The Midianites. It says, in verse 3, it says, For it was whenever Israel had sown the seed that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the people of the east and go against them. 
you realize that those three groups of people didn't even like each other. They came together for one reason, and that is to come against the people of God. They couldn't agree on anything. The eastern people, the Mennonites, the Amalekites, they fought against each other. But in this situation, we're going to come against the people of God. Ooh. <laughs> so they would camp out. Ooh, this just gets me when I hear this. So they would camp out against them and destroy the crops of the land as far as uh, Gaza and leave no substance in Israel as well as no sheep or donkey. Now, now listen, it was at harvest time that they were known to come up and really they would just come up to antagonize and say, everything that is yours, guess what, is now mine. Thank you for doing all the work. It says, for they would come up with their livestock and their tents. Have you ever had anybody come to visit you and say, I can only stay for a couple weeks? And you go, a couple weeks? <laughs> they were bringing their tents. And they were as numerous as locusts, both they and their camels, that, that you couldn't even count these guys. It says, so they came into the land to devastate it. What was their purpose? To devastate. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Mennonites, and the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Now listen, the enemy came up with their tents to stay a while, to pester the people of God. Everything that is yours will belong to me. You go to all the trouble of working for it, and you, you do, though, I'm going to come in and still kill and destroy everything that you have. That's what the enemy was telling them. By consistently doing this over the years. I know you might not have had farming experience in your life, but it is not easy. And here they are, and they get it to the harvest time, and here comes the enemy. Some of you this morning feel like that. I just got to a place in my life and all of a sudden here comes the enemy threatening. Wow. Now listen, the reason a lot of people will say I'm paralyzed in fear because of fear, doubt, and unbelief. Listen, it's because they say I have no hope in the future and you can see it all over them. There's no power in the present. You can see it. They might as well be wearing a, a sandwich board. You know, saying, notice me, I'm down and out, I'm depressed, I'm walking in fear, doubt, and unbelief. That, that you can see it all known, all over. Now, now, I want you to see, because it, this story progresses pretty fast. Here is a man that is named Gideon. We know very little about him, but we know that he has fit into the culture of this time period. He isn't in a cliff, he isn't in a hideout, but he is in a pit. And what he's doing is thinking, you know what, I'm going to hide out, and if I can just keep this little bit, this will be ours, this will be mine. He's in the wine press, and he's threshing wheat, he's trying to, you know, to, to accumulate something of a possession that he can keep, that the enemy won't come in and steal. The angel of the Lord, it says, comes and sits down, and I love this, because God kind of comes in and, I don't know how it went, but I kind of picture he kind of sits down under the, 
the tree and he begins to talk to Gideon that's in this pit. Now, Gideon doesn't know that this is God. It says the angel of the Lord, but so many times the reading and interpretation of this is it could actually be God. And he starts talking to him. And, and what if you've ever read this story before, the thing that jumps out is what his take on who he is is different than God's take on who Gideon is. And it is like 180 degree difference. The, God, the Lord, the angel says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Do, do you have a picture when I say that of who a mighty warrior looks like? And when he says that, Gideon goes, pardon me, Lord. Put down your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. Pardon me, Lord. He says, if God is really with us, and all the stories of my ancestors, of how God brought them out of Egypt, and yada, 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 then why has he abandoned us? Now, I want you to see this part of the sermon as he's beginning to step into the pool of excuses. When, when we get to the place that we recognize that we are interrupting people of faith to give them an excuse why faith doesn't work, can I just tell you in a loving way, stop that. Here, here's God, and he doesn't recognize who God is. This is just a person that is optimistic, half full glass kind of guy. In other words, he doesn't have a clue. Let me inform him why this doesn't work the way that you think it does. My belief system, Gideon says, is that isn't how it works. And I'll prove it to you. Let's banter back and forth why I think that you're wrong and I'm right. He says, if God's with us, why has He abandoned us? And given us to the hand of Midianite. Can I tell you this? Write this down. Complaining proves nothing but that you can hear the voice of the devil. You want to hear that again? Replay it this week on Facebook. All right? We're going to go on. No, I'm not. I'm going to say it again. Complaining proves nothing but you, that you can hear the voice of the devil. The devil will encourage you to complain. Now listen, here, here's the, the person of faith in God speaking and teaching us of faith. He says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in strength you have, and, and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Now, now, there's something going on here because he doesn't know he's God. But at the same time, a person of faith is speaking into your life, a sermon that you hear on uh, whatever, YouTube. You've got so many opportunities as I do. To, to hear the voice of God through the word of God. That, that it says, that he says, I'm sending you. And he says this, this is of the NIV. Pardon me, Lord, put down your hand. Why are you in? He didn't say that, but think about it. He keeps interrupting. Pardon me, Lord, let me give you another excuse. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. Now, before I read the next verse, which should be the only thing that the angel, or when he recognizes God, should have to say to us. 
I think that what he's saying is this. How am I going to save Israel when I'm the least of the least? Here's another way that you hear it in your life as well as in my life. Well, I could do that, but at this time I just don't feel comfortable in doing that. They're going to eat me. Tag. No, I'm kidding. Here we go. I just don't feel comfortable in stepping out by faith right now in my life. Here's what the voice of the Lord said to him. The Lord answered that complaint. Pardon me, I can't. With this, I will be with you. Take that on your own. Take that to yourself. God says, I will be with you. End of story, let's go get them. I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if I found favor, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Come on now. The excuses keep rolling why he cannot go. You understand that I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm in the same boat. Moses used the same thing. I can't do that. I, I, I can't talk good. And I, I can't. When you get to that place, realize where you're at. L- listen to this. Fear is the guard dog trying to keep us away from prosperity that God has for us. Every time you hear fear barking, you know you're getting close. And the reason you'll know that is because fear will make excuses start coming in your life. Well, I can't. I don't do this right. I don't do that right. And again, who is sketching your life in the character that you are that's saying you can't do it? Gideon says, can, can, I, can I provide a little bit of a meal for you and, and before you go? And, and he says, yeah. And he goes in and gets a little bread and a little uh, meat. And he comes out and he says, the angel says, put it right there on the stone. And he's got a, a staff and he touches it and he goes, boom. Listen to what it says. It says, fire flared from the rock consuming the, the meat and the bread and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Here's your sign. You want a sign? You heard that. Here's your sign. Are you God? Here's your sign. Boom. Now, now watch this. You would think that Gideon would go, oh my goodness. He does. He says, you're God and I, I saw you. And God says, relax, you're not going to die. To the point where Gideon builds an altar and calls it the peace of God. That's chapter 6. You would think chapter 7 would be him going into battle and defeating the enemy. But oh no, 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 no. It says that he begins to even ask for more signs. He does call the army. And, and at this time, 32,000 men assemble. Which, let me just remind you, is a little rock in a, a big bucket compared to the enemy. Let, let me just say this, and I'm going to give it to Gwen. Uh, excuse number one. God is not with us because He's abandoned us. Excuse number two is my clan is the weakest and I'm the least in my family. 
Excuse number three is, I, I, need, I need a little favor, I need a sign. N- number four excuse was, he was told by the angel, I want you to go and tear down your father's influence on your life, which was the altar of Baal and the pole of Asher. Which, I don't have time to go in to tell you a lot of the background, but it was a hideous uh, religion that people believed that that God was better and stronger than our God. So the influence, even from his family, was heavily on him, and he was scared to do what the the person, God, that just experienced the sign in doing. It says that the God says, go tear down the altar and, and build, uh, build an altar to me. Provide the bull that your dad owns on the altar. And he says, okay. But he doesn't do it at night. Or he doesn't do it until night because he's scared of the people of the community. You would think, and all of us would go, you know what, if I saw a miracle, I would do something more bold. He didn't. I thought it was interesting. I'll just put this in because it was kind of like, wow, I never saw that before. It says that when he's going to tear down the, the Asher pole and the, the uh, altar to Baal, he takes ten of his servants. I thought that guy is wealthy enough to have ten servants. It was easy to be in a spot of saying, you know what? I'm taken care of. I can just stay in this fear, doubt, and unbelief. We're blessed, aren't we, as people? If we're not careful just because we have stuff doesn't mean that we're in the will of God for our life at this point. He has ten servants, but he does it at night because he's scared of the people. I'm not going to go into all the details, but then he begins to make excuses more. He says after he's called the people or the armies and they're coming, he goes, God, if really... You know, I know that you made the fire burn up and all that, but could you could you do me a favor? I'm still a little bit wavering over if I can have hope in the future that you're going to provide for me. And you know that because he doesn't have any power in the present. And he says, if, if you would, create a sign that is undeniable. I tell you what, God, there's the threshing floor, and I'm going to put a fleece, which is an animal skin, on the ground. And it goes back and forth. He goes, would, would you please make it where, where the fleece is wet in the morning and the dew is not on the ground? And he wakes up and that's exactly what happens. He goes, <laughs> don't be mad at me. Could, could I have another sign? Hello? If you choose to walk in fear, doubt, and unbelief, there's always going to be, please, just another sign. Yeah. The Bible says that the next morning after he asked for this another sign, this is number six excuses, he says, he says, please make it where now the ground is wet but the fleece is dry. And that's what happens. So everything that he's asked for is, but it's still a problem in his life. He's called now, and it, it comes down to 32,000 men. 32,000 men is a lot. But later we'll find out about the size of the enemy in later verses. And I'll just go ahead and tell you. 145,000 enemy soldiers. Now you would think that here's Gideon and he goes. 32 against 145. 
The devil has the math. He, he's got the numbers. But God comes on the scene and says, you got too many men. Do, do you realize that when you're believing that God can give you hope in the future that he's going to provide for you and you become thankful, it does not make sense. The numbers don't line up. Has anybody ever tried to tithe and you had to live on 100% and you think, how am I going to give 10%? And all of a sudden you do it and at the end of the month you go, I got more. How, how'd that happen? And the Bible says that here he is and he has 32,000 and God says, pare him down. Tell everybody that's a scared baby to go home. He didn't say that really, but if you're fearful, go home. Now you had thought in soldiers in an army with men and men and, and, and that was the announcement. You go, I ain't scared. All of them but 10,000 went home. So now there's 10,000 and I'm sure Gideon's going, I know that you gave me a sign. <laughs> and God says, oh, I'm not done. 10,000 is too many men or they're going to take pride. So we're going to pare it down a little bit more. Now watch this. I, I figured out in my life that if I'm not careful, I I'll start gravitating and intensifying my weaknesses. Has anybody ever been there? Well, you know, I'm weak in this area. And that is a subtle form of pride that comes into your life. And God says, 10,000 is too many. And he does this little exercise again, that if you're a commander in the army, you go, what? I want everybody to get a drink. Take them down to the water. And the men, the 10,000, they're getting a drink out of the water. And the ones that cut their hand to their mouth, okay, well, I'm going to keep them. They're not super warriors. It's just a way of paring down the numbers. Guess how many people are left? How many soldiers? 300. Now, come on now. If you're full of fear and you're in the, in the press, uh, in the pit, that, that's not comforting, comforting to you to know that you got 300 men against 145,000 enemy soldiers. And God even tells him to do something that sounds crazy about breaking a jar, blowing the show for you. Anybody ever heard one of those? Those are bone chilling, just one of them. I can't imagine 300. You know, it's a horn of an animal. And, and then they're, they're supposed to say, they're supposed to yell with the sword of, of God and, and Gideon. They're, they're supposed, so, so God's telling him to do this. But listen, this is our God. He says, Gideon, if you're still scared, which he is, he says, I want you to go down to the enemy's camp. Mm. I want you to get in there and hear what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Now Gideon could have said, no, I'm not scared, I'm going. But he says, okay, I'll go. And he takes his armor bearer, and he goes down, and I'm sure, you know, this is Hollywood coming out in me, but, you know, they're doing the dog crawl, you know, and, they're, they're getting, and they get up to the tent of one of them, and the guy, the joker's in the tent talking to his friend about a dream that he had. And the guy goes, you know, I had a dream last night and there's this barley loaf that's rolling down the hill and it destroys a tent. Crazy sounding. But his friend goes, you know who that is? You know who that cupcake is? That's Gideon. Gideon. Ready? 
recognition brings revelation. And revelation happens and he does a U-turn. Here's the guy that's wanting all these signs. All the, I don't know. Doing the hokey pokey. One foot in and one foot out. And all of a sudden he hears that. And listen to what it says. Do we have that passage of scripture? It says this. Next. When Gideon heard the telling of this dream and his interpretation, he went to his knees before God in prayer. Now, now what I hear, what, what, what that is saying is he raised a hallelujah in the presence of his enemies. Here he is and he's getting revelation and all of a sudden he's praising God in prayer going, God, all the things that I've been a part of, that I've been worried about, all the things that I've been struggling about, That's what praise and worship does. That's why we sing, because it's a confession out of our mouth. What what did I say that a U-turn? What is the thing? What is the light bulb that comes on? What is the indicator? What is the thing that happens when the U-turn takes place? It's when we get up and get going. It's when you and I get up and we quit making excuses and quit complaining and quit saying, I don't feel comfortable right now. I'm going to do it. And when we get up and get going. Can you say that with me? Get up and get going. Ready? Get up and get going. There's something about confession that just fires you up, doesn't it? We got 300 men. That's all we got. But you know what? Look out. Suki, suki. Here we come. Get your stuff. Get your stuff. He goes back to the camp and he begins to tell the people, the soldiers, they're going to get away. Come on. I don't know what he said, but he said, come on. And they gather around and, and we're going to, I'm going to stop right there, but they go get them and they defeat them over and over and over again. Okay. Oh, I want to preach some more, but here we go. We'll swing here. I've got ushers that are going to hand out papers. And also they're going to hand you out something that you're going to go, what is that? That is a kernel of corn to some of you city slickers. That's a kernel of corn because we don't have mustard seed. We're going to use this kernel of corn as a point of contact to you. Some of you might want to shellac that, put that in a folder. Whatever you want to do. I don't know. But put it somewhere that you can be reminded of what that is. Now, Gwen's going to take us to what if you're in that place. So everybody gets a piece of paper that you're going to write down. And you don't have to have five. But what is the locusts in your life that are eating on you right now? One of them is COVID. Boo! That's what COVID does to all of us. Boo! Somebody coughs, someone sneezes, and you go, oh no, oh no! And again, I, I, I wear a mask when I go in. Let me tell you, the, the, we are able to have the Holy Spirit. Can, can you hear me? Listen, the Holy Spirit is in me for me, but He's upon me for you. 
so I can speak encouragement. Do you understand that I could wear a mask and st- still speak encouragement to you? I'm not talking about, we're not making light of anything. We're, we're saying that the enemy is coming against us and he will not overcome us. So you're making your list of maybe three to five locusts. What are those things that, what's your big problem? What is your problem? What's your problem today? Because we're going to look at, Gideon's a great backdrop for us to apply today. What is the big problem? Here's something good for you to know. Big problems can be handled with seed-sized faith. Do you have that seed? Because you're going to have a list of problems, and then you've got that seed right there. That's even bigger than a mustard seed because the Bible uses, Jesus uses the example of a mustard seed. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. The size of your faith is not proportionate to the size of the problem. So big problem. No problem. All you need is seed faith. You need seed faith. But, but here's the thing. Where do you get your seed? You, you've got a book full of seeds. God has given us seeds for every glaring situation, circumstance, problem. What's your big problem? You know, oftentimes in, in the church world, we get confused And we say, problems come our way, and we say, we get offended. We get hurt because we say, why do I have this problem? I've been saved 40 years. Faith is not the same as tenure. God doesn't honor tenure. I'm sorry. He's eternal. Time is nothing to him. So if you have known God for 40 years, you just, you know, it just doesn't add up to him. He's not impressed with our tenure. So oftentimes we've got to be careful as Christians or we say, I can't believe this is happening in my life. We think the further we go in our lives, there will never be any problems. Or why, you mean I'm having a threat of illness? I have a major diagnosis that has come my way? It is not tenure as Christians. It is just a seed of faith. God is a faith God. We, we must have that though. We do have to have faith. But here's the good thing. The Bible says God has given to every man, not even every Christian. Is that good? God has given to every man the measure. You got that seed? The measure of faith. So what are you going to do with your measure? No, it's not tenure. It's not membership. It's not, you know what, I I go to that church or my wife, boy, she's spirit-filled. No, it isn't tenure. It isn't who you're hanging with in this life that causes victory, those things don't bring victory. John mentioned at first, faith comes by hearing. So we're all on the same level playing field every time we wake up in the morning. We don't want to ever get to the place where we go, well, I've been saved for 20 years. I'm just going to get up and head out. Thank you, Lord. No, no, no. Faith comes by hearing. What are we doing on a daily basis to plant that seed of faith in order for it to grow and produce? All you need is seed faith. You know, in the life of Gideon, there are a couple of things that John brought out. And here's some things that we see. What's your big problem, first of all? Your problems will intimidate you. 
What's intimidating you? Gideon was intimidated because he was the least in his clan. He felt like he had, had no credentials. What's intimidating you? It'll overwhelm you. Don't you see that in the life of Gideon? He was overwhelmed when he was in the wine press. He was so afraid. He was hiding. He was overwhelmed. There'll be a voice that comes to you that says, you know what? God's a little bit tired of you. He's tired of you, tired of your problems, tired of hearing you. That is a lie of the enemy. Just because you're tired of you. You ever been tired of yourself, anybody? I have been. Actually, it happened this week. I think John, I think John saw it in me. He's like, you know, why don't you just take a little time? But I, I was tired of myself. Um, you know, just some things on my horizon and looking and waffling back and forth. Lord, what do I do in this? And you can get tired of yourself. Um, and so the enemy will say, God's tired of you. Nothing's going to change in your life. You know, he will bully you and you don't even know it. You ever been in an atmosphere that was just bullying you? What was the thing with Gideon? The enemy was saying, shut your mouth. The enemy's goal is just the same today to silence you. That you have nothing to say, nothing to declare. He wants to quiet you so that you don't speak, so that you don't take that word seed in your life and declare it over that locust list and watch those things fall. What is he saying to you today to try to silence you? I want to give you a scripture today. 1 John 5, 4 says this in the English Standard Version. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Okay, right there, that's huge. Everyone who has been born of God, every Christian. Maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking, well, I don't feel like an overcomer. Sounds like Gideon. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. You are born to overcome because you've asked Jesus into your heart because you've made him Lord you have the DNA of an overcomer you can do what God says you can do what does that list look like for you today everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that overcomes the world what is it faith faith every time faith will overcome we see the process that Gideon had to walk through to get faith first of all God appears to him that's not enough you know people will often say if I could just see a miracle what if we could just see miracles like we used to Thomas saw all kinds of miracles walking right beside Jesus he didn't believe it's not a miracle that brings faith it's the seed of the word that brings faith the word of God brings faith. You don't need a miracle. I don't need to see a miracle. I mean, we, we may need miracles in our life at points. But if we get to the point where we think, if I could just see a miracle, that's why they believed in, in the New Testament time. They saw all those miracles. No, Jesus was a teacher. A lot of those that saw the miracles ended up crucifying him. It is the seed of the word that brings faith in your heart to overcome. Faith is the victory it's the one thing that will cause you and me to overcome everybody you know you'll often hear things like well you know so and so they have all this faith they're a faith person they're a faith person you you might go talk to them and you're like i didn't hear a, a word of faith come out of their mouths 
Just because people think that tenure is faith, people think that um, saying certain cliches like, well, I'm just believing God. For what? And with what? If we're not believing him with a seed, we can say, I'm just believing God. We can believe there is a God. The demons believe that. The demons believe there is a God. We have to believe he's my God. He'll provide for me. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He will set me free. And it's not even enough to even say he's the deliverer. That's different than he's my deliverer. He will deliver me. It's different than saying, okay, well, so I believe that God can can clear up my debts. No, he can clear my debts, not just anybody's debts. He can help me get from Point A to point B. So what is that voice that um, is, is talking to you? What's your big problem? Don't let it silence you. Speak the word of God. Get a seed. Get a seed. There's a whole bag here. Get a seed. You've got that little seed. All it takes is a seed. It's not the size of the problem if you have a seed. You know, what is seed faith all about? That seed that you have, if you've ever held an ear of corn in your hand, it came from a little seed, and look at all those kernels. Can you picture that? All those kernels. And then also there's in that seed the power to produce a whole plant that will then give more seed. In that seed, there's such a crop that could be produced in the power of a seed. You see, you may think to yourself at times, you know what, I just can't speak God's word over my life. I don't know, I just don't feel it when, when times come. Just ignore that. Don't You don't have to care how you feel. Oftentimes, I'm sure farmers go out and they plant seeds and they don't feel all that great about it. They don't feel the money in their pocket yet, but it's going to come. They don't feel the effects of the food that will come from that to fill their stomach and give them energy. They don't feel all of that. See, you and I have to have faith in the power of the seed. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, power in the seed. The, the power in the seed is the power to produce anything. Just choose the right seed. See, if you, if you need money, you, you find scriptures on, on money. God wants your needs supplied. How do I know that? Because he intends for us to do good in this world. If you can't pay your bills, that's not a good thing because you can't help anybody. And you look like everybody else who is going under. We are supposed to be bright lights shining in a dark world. And the seed of faith will make all the difference. That is the defining factor for you and me. This is the power to produce. Do you need healing? Find healing scriptures. And you don't have to find 50. You don't have to find them all. Find a word seed. The power of a word seed. The power is in a little. God will take the power in a little seed and create a harvest. Example, what about the, the woman that gave her, her might, her last little bit? And Jesus said she gave all. She gave more than everybody else, all, all, more than the, the wealthy. God is not impressed with the size of a crowd, ladies and gentlemen. He's, in, he's not impressed with numbers. It's not the, how much you can tithe on. A tithe is a tithe. It's not how much you can give above and beyond. That's not it. The size of your seed is all that matters. Just give that seed. Seed is a little. So what, what would that look like? Just one little seed. A little word, one little word from God can change your life forever. 
One, one money seed can change your finances forever. What about one promise? Can one promise, we're talking about seed power, seed faith, one promise can change everything. Do you need some peace of mind? Find your seed. What about one seed, one act of obedience? That's what I see in Gideon. On that front end, remember the first thing he did? He went and he tore down the Asherah tree. He did it at night. He was fearful. He was afraid. I, I, I like watching the transform transformation as he changes. But one act of obedience. Maybe God is laying something on your heart today, an act of obedience. It might be an act to forgive. See, it's just, it seems little. Don't discount the power of the little. Don't discount the power of the seed. You have that seed in your hand? You have that seed beside you? Do you see your list? It's enough. The power of the seed. What about one act of worship? Where could that lead? Where could one act of worship lead? One encounter with God. Where could that lead us? Do you have your sheet? Look at your sheet. Look at your locus. Time and time again, God encouraged the man of God that he has chosen as, as a person of faith to say, not one of them will be able to withstand you. We're going to believe together against those locuses in our life. You know, I can say this and you'll respond. Can God do anything? Let's pray that COVID ends. Well, Pastor, I don't want to go that far. Well, what's your choke point of your faith? Can God do anything and everything? Or can He? Do, do you need a sign? No. Let's walk by faith, not by sight. You have the corn. Look at the corn. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed in our Example, corn seed. You can say to the what? Or you can say to the locust. Be removed and to be cast in the sea. It's hard to have vision when there's a mountain right in front of you. Can't see your future. Too big. We're going to tell the locust in our life to get out. Can you pray with me? Father, today. My, my family, my friends that are here today. Father, as we go through things and just like the Midianites in our story and, and how they, they came and God, they, they camped out for one purpose and that is to, to create poverty. A lack in the people of God. And Father, today we come against those locusts we speak to the mountain that is of COVID-19 and all those things that are in our life that try to bring fear, doubt, and unbelief against your word. And Father, we begin right now, if we haven't already. Today is a new day. I can't fight battles that I lost yesterday. God, today is a new day. And I choose... To speak your word over my life, my family, my church's life. And God, we say enough. COVID, get out. Enough. Can you say that today with me? Enough.
Say it again. Enough. Why don't you stand and let's begin to speak to the enemy. And that's by speaking praises to our God in the presence. Right where our enemy is, He will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Let's sing.